You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Great to be here this morning. My name's Steve Marici. I want to uh, thank Paulette uh, for uh, helping get my heart in the right place before I uh, go after our message this morning. I do want to thank Zoe and Leslie, uh, all the energy that they bring, their love for God. Um, I'd be remiss not talking about our first impressions, our ushers, our tech team, our worship team, all those that get up way before we do in the morning to make all this happen. Super, super grateful for that. Amen. Uh, I'd like to say I was every bit as grateful for the particular message that I ended up with this morning. If you're visiting with us, you may be wondering what, I'm ta- what I mean by that. We have a number of uh, very uh, accomplished ministers in our mix here. Uh, there's Dustin Peckman, Mark Stieber, Brian Craig, and Daniel Kim. And, uh, you know, you've heard that euphemism, you snooze, you lose, right? Well, we came up with this uh, particular segment, the verse after the verse, and uh, I didn't get my email into Brian quite as quickly as the rest of the guys did, which meant that I was kind of left with Psalm 23. And now some of you, I know Psalm 23 is a very encouraging passage, and I'm not saying it's not for me, but I'm... I, much rather would have been able to do John 3.16 and the verse after that and just developing John 3. so a passage in the Bible that really resonates with me. And I even went to Daniel Kim to see how he felt about doing John 3. And uh, let's just say he was very possessive. So um, I'm doing Psalm 23. And I, with that, I probably have about 12 hours of prep on this. Uh, I had to do a little bit more reading than normal. This is not a passage I'm real familiar with other than the way a lot of us experience when it comes to maybe going to a funeral or being bed with, bedside with someone that's got failing health. Or in some ways, even the particular verse we're dealing with this morning is, I shall not be in want, which um, there's a lot of play in that and how people use that. And that, you know, if you're a Christian, you'll never be in need. And that crosses over to when it comes to our physical needs, our welfare, our finances and things of that nature. So... Um, I'm going to go ahead and have a prayer here, and we'll, we'll jump on in this morning. Amen? Father God, you are an amazing God, and I'm so grateful uh, having the opportunity to come together here today with my brothers and sisters, uh, being able to just really connect with you through the worship, through song, and really understanding uh, as we listen to Leslie's testimony, God, you are a God that is just so incredible in so many ways, giving us hope where it seems like there's no hope, building our faith. Even when there is faith, but more than anything, God, taking us to a place where we can call you Father, knowing that you care for us, you think about us, that we can call you friend. And, uh, Father, thank you so much for Jesus that makes all this possible, the unity that comes through the sacrifice that took place 2,000 years ago. Father, we love you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you, many of you heard Brian Craig. Uh, they're in Temecula. They may be joining us here at some point. Their daughter went on to... Uh, the state finals here today. They won the semis yesterday. Uh, we do have a special treat for us this morning as well. Mayor Sert is here. We're going to be hearing from her a little bit later in this service, but very uh, grateful to have her with us here this morning. Now, getting back to Psalm 23, in a lot of ways, it's one of the best-known passages in the Bible. And as I stated earlier, it is something that can be used to comfort those who are dying or those who have lost loved ones. So much so, Abraham Lincoln read it when he was discouraged. And uh, many of you remember 9-11. President Bush proclaimed it publicly to calm our nation's fears during a very challenging time. Now, when we read it, we don't usually stop and think of David shepherding his 3,000 sheep. 
or his sheep 3,000 years ago. And with that, just thinking that through, how would that apply to us today? Whether it's the 3,000 sheep or 3,000 years, years ago, I know he had a probably a pretty good-sized flock, but I, I don't know. 3,000 seems like an awful lot for one person to have to deal with. Uh, especially when it comes to some of the challenges that sheep have, which we'll be looking at a little bit today. And with that, I'm still wrestling with the fact that I'm equated to a sheep. After the research I did this week, sheep got issues. And they got a lot of them. We're going we're gonna to get the, the opportunity to watch a video that will demonstrate a little bit of that for us. But even when we think through the thing with, with shepherds, um, you know, I mean, how many of us want to be a shepherd? I'm not, any takers out there? I, there's aspects of it that I find being cool, being out in the wilderness and not having to deal with anything but sheep. But uh, it, it's just really interesting when we look at the, the, just even the ideolo- ideology of what a shepherd is. Now, in our day and age, again, you know, it's the guy with a little lamb around his neck or whatever, but it, they're, they're really, they were forceful men. They had to deal with the elements. We know a little bit of that with David in that David, before he met Goliath, was known for killing what? Lions and... I don't think there were any tigers in the mix, so I can't say lion, lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my. But anyway, they, they had to be able to deal with the environment. There were people who would try to steal their sheep. There were animals that would try to destroy their flocks. And uh, in Exodus 2, verse 16, we know that Moses actually drove off a group of shepherds that were going after the Midian priest's seven daughters' flocks. And he got in and drove them off. So the way that they told their dad about what had taken place leads me to believe that these are probably a little bit fiercer guys than we give them credit for. But anyway, some of what I'm sharing this morning comes from a book that Brian recommended that I read based on my not-so-wanting-to-embrace this. It's written by Philip Keller. It's entitled, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. And the author, Philip, he grew up in East Africa, surrounded by sheep herders similar to those in the Middle East. Some of his insights will give us some help understanding what David probably felt as he wrote these verses in Psalm 23. Psalm 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not be in one. Now, again, we know David was a shepherd. He was also known as if you are following along with me here, this is a couple of those blanks you can fill in. Uh, the message and the notes are on our app. So if you're uh, new with us this morning, if you download the South Bay Church, you go to southbaychurch.us. You can, uh, you'll be able to find our app in the Apple uh, App Store and be able to follow along or be able to go back through and take a closer look at this later. So uh, David was known as the shepherd king of Israel. And David saw Jehovah, the Lord God of Israel, as his shepherd. He speaks in the psalm as if he were one of the flock, one of the sheep. David knew from firsthand experience that the life of any particular sheep ultimately depends on the man who owns it. Under one man, a shepherd maybe that isn't engaged the way that he needs to be, his sheep can be hungry, emaciated, dealing with all kinds of parasites and other issues. Under another man that takes care of it, those sheep and that flock will flourish and thrive. And I really believe it's with a sense of pride that David makes this statement about the Lord being his shepherd. His God, our God, chose us. He bought us. He calls us by name. He makes us his own. And he loves taking care of us. 
How about that song we did earlier? Uh, I'm a friend of God. I mean, to have that kind of relationship, to have someone that looks after us the way that God does is amazing. And when it comes to this, the Lord is my shepherd, the psalm is really saying all about here is that the Lord takes care of us. David continues by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not be in want. The idea here is the Lord supplies our every need. In the CEV version, it says, I will never be in need. And what the psalm conveys is our Lord supplies our every need. Not our every want, but our every need. As Paul told the Philippians in Philippians 4, verse 19, My God shall supply all you need according to his riches in the glory of Christ Jesus. And thinking this through, we look at how God, throughout the centuries, has met need after need after need. Looking in the Bible, the way he sustained the children of Israel in the desert. How he fed Elijah by the brook. The one who provided the needs of the disciples, sending them out. Jesus sending them out without staff or without money. And what his, he's promised, what he's done, he will provide both for our physical and spiritual needs today in February 2018. Let me tell you what a good shepherd is like. He loves his sheep. For him, there's no greater reward, no deeper satisfaction than seeing his sheep contented, well-fed, safe, and flourishing in his care. And I think most of us know that the day of a shepherd is something that starts very early in the day till late at night. And they have to be constantly on alert for marauders or animals that would prey on the flock. He examines the sheep to see if they're fit and content, if they're able to be on their feet. And he can tell if they've been injured because he pays close attention to every single one of them. Which is, which is again, just this, this degree of care is so amazing. Throughout the day, he looks over his flock to make sure everything is all right. And this is the kind of shepherd that we have in Jesus Christ. He says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. John 10, verse 11. So since God is our shepherd of all of our needs, knowing that all our needs will be taken care of, one of the best definitions of contentment I've ever heard is this. And this is what we're talking about in this passage. Contentment is not having everything you want. Contentment is wanting everything you have. I want to repeat that. I think this is something we, we really need to embrace. Contentment is not having everything you want, but contentment is wanting everything you have. Max Lucado refers to our discontent as the prison of want. He says, it's prisoners, prisoners want something bigger, nicer, faster, thinner. And if your happiness comes from something you deposit, drive, drink, or digest, then you're in the prison of want. Are you hoping that a change in circumstance will bring change in your attitude? If so... You're locked up. You're in a cell of discontentment. And this is why this, this first verse is so incredibly huge for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I love the simplicity that God brings to us on so many different levels. And with that, allow the simplicity of this powerful verse to permeate your personhood. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, really thinking this through, what you have in your shepherd is greater than what you don't have in your life. And all we've got to do is spend a little bit of time looking back at who we were without Christ. Some of you still may be on that journey. 
I look back at the life that I grew up with, the abuse that I had, and how that was really who I had become. You know, how many of us, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of us say that we never want to be or do some of the things that have been done to us? Whether it's a parent, a friend, a family member, whatever. But without even knowing it, that creeps in and that becomes part of our character without Christ. I would not have a relationship with my 32-year-old son. I would not have a relationship with my 30-year-old daughter. I would not be married to my wife Jacqueline today if it had meant for Jesus coming into my life, the Good Shepherd, and me wanting to embrace the guidance that He would give me that's enabled me to re-engage and eliminate and break the chains of so many of the things from my past. God is amazing. Jesus is amazing. Verse 2 goes on and says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. It's kind of interesting. There are a lot of things I didn't know about sheep. It's not easy to get a sheep to lie down. And there's some issues with getting it back up later, which we'll actually see. But Josephus, the first century scholar, has written that sometimes the shepherd would institute forced rest periods for his sheep, especially for the pregnant ewes and the the frolicking lambs. The shepherd would take the sheep and fold its legs in a way underneath it that it would become paralyzed for a while, and therefore lay down and not create a bunch of issues with the rest of the sheep, getting them all stirred up. So I don't know, to me it's kind of a strange thing about sheep that they refuse to lie down unless, you know, certain requirements are met. But there's a lot of other things that create issues for them. They've got to be fear, free from fear. There must be no tension, stress, anxiety between members of the flock. They must not be aggravated with flies or parasites, and they must be free from hunger. Now, in thinking that all through, I mean, there's a number of these things that we can equate to some of the challenges we have in our own lives. Fear. You know, fear of the unknown. Fear of a place that we've never been before. Situations that we maybe have going on in the workplace or at school. Uh, Tension. Any of you relate to a little bit of anxiety or tension from time to time? Uh, And, you know, and that can be with our neighbors. It can be with, you know, those that we work with, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, being uh, aggravated by with flies or parasites, we'll, we'll leave that one alone. There's other issues there. but And then, you know, I, I know that how, I get hangry. You know, if, I, if I'm hungry, my wife will attest to this. There's a couple things that can kind of keep me un- under control. Food is one of those. But I, I believe a lot of us today have a hard time finding rest. Now, when it comes to being frightened, sheep, very easily frightened. The jackrabbit moves through the bunch, and one of them takes off, and the rest of them don't even look over their shoulders to find out what's going on. They just split. By nature, they're nervous. They're fearful. They can get easily frightened. And, you know, when we think about our own lives, there's, there's aspects of that today. We see it in the media all the time. You know, we live in an uncertain life. Any hour can bring disaster. And generally, it's the unknown, the unexpected that frightens us the most. But nothing quiets our soul like knowing that our shepherd is near. I love Isaiah 43.5. God says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. It's so comforting to know that the God that created me, the God that put breath in my lungs, is there for me. Individually. I mean, it's so mind-boggling when you look at the enormity of our population 
But God is aware of Steve Marici. God is aware of fill in the blank with your own name. He knows you. He created you. He even numbers the hairs on your head. He knows them. Amen. Amen. Now when there's tension in a flock, again, sheep can't lie down and get rest. You know, they always are standing up ready to take off. Or You know, in the book it said ready for a fight. I, I, I think that was a misspelling. I think it meant flight. But the result is, A lot, a lot like people too, right? There's a struggle for status in our society to keep up with whoever, the Joneses, whatever. To get more views on social media, to get more likes, more followers. There's this struggle for self-assertion and self-recognition. See, we're, we're trained from a very young age that we need to excel. We've got to be the top sheep. Are you top dog, but whatever. You, got, you get what I'm, where I'm coming from, right? Our eyes aren't on the shepherd when we engage on this level. We can butt and quarrel and compete to get ahead, but what does that do to what's around us in our relationships? It's impossible to relax in an environment where there's biting, fighting, and undermining all the time, right? You know, an environment where you always feel like you have to be ready to stand up and defend yourself or your rights. But things change when your shepherd's around. The Lord's presence puts an end to all rivalry. You know, the sheep, they won't, be, they won't rest when they're bothered by the aggravation of insects and parasites as well. You know, there were some really, really crazy videos, and I decided to spare you from those. But there's a variety of fly that actually crawls around on the nose of the sheep and lies its eggs inside its nose. And they actually have video of what those larvae look like when they hatch. For those of you that are, you know, very image conscious, I guess you may have been able to figure out what that might look like on your own. But it's just nasty what these sheep have to do with and what the shepherds have to do to get them healthy, to get them okay, to alleviate that, the, those issues. Um, you know, there, there's, I'll talk about it a little bit more, but this whole thing with oil, it was amazing. Some of the concoctions they would come up back then that would alleviate that issue. I mean, the sheep, when those larvae would hatch, would literally keep butting their heads up against trees because of the aggravation and to the point that they even killed themselves. And just really understanding what an amazing God that we have. We, we can feel like that sometimes. I know I've felt like butting my head up against the wall on any number of occasions. And there may have been some of that that went on years and years and years ago. And, I, you know, whatever. I'll use that as a disclaimer for anything that comes out of my mouth that you might have issue with. But our shepherd provides for us. He alleviates that aggravation when we rely on Him. He provides us with the spiritual food that we need. If we hunger and we thirst after righteousness... He has promised to fill us. All of our needs are met in Christ. You're anxious, draw near God. You know, I think with that, some of us never really slow down enough to chew on the green pastures of God's Word. We're, we're good at allowing the small frustrations of life to knock us off center, to mess with our balance, but then we don't meditate on the richness and the comfort that comes through the Scriptures. That's what I love about David, the connection that he had with God. There's so many psalms that we can look to that give us the ability to generate an incredible relationship with God if we just imitate some of what we see in the way he expresses himself to our God in heaven. God wants us to lie down and rest in the midst of his abundance. That's why he makes me and you lie down in green pastures. Sometimes we need to realize we just need to let God assert himself in this area. Amen? He leaves us beside quiet waters. 
I mean, this is another thing with sheep. It's kind of interesting. By nature, they're afraid of running water. And they'll refuse to drink. It doesn't matter how thirsty they are unless it's still. Now, part of that might be if they were to fall in, they drown. So I don't know if that's something that's been built into their DNA over time or what. But the shepherd has to lead the sheep to good water. And this is crazy, too. I mean, there, there was a demonstration where you could have a pristine body of water like this. They're 20 feet away. And you can kind of fill in the blanks on this, but there's puddles and sheep are walking through it and kind of doing what sheep do. And they would just as soon drink out of those puddles as they would that. This is where I have, you know, again, I'm, I'm not quite sure I understand the whole, we're sheep. But, you know, I, again, there, there, there are those issues in my own personal life. Many of you that have come here for any length of time have heard some of those. But it's just, it's mind-boggling to me. So they'll stop and they'll drink out of those puddles where they can pick up parasites. God has provided so much for us. But Steve Marici and some of us can still stop and drink out of the wrong places. Max Lucado puts it this way about God, about Jesus. With his own pierced hands, Jesus created a pasture for the soul. He tore out the thorny underbrush of condemnation. He pried loose the borders of the boulders of sin. In their place, he planted seeds of grace and dug ponds of mercy, made it clear that the thirsty souls of men and women can only be fully satisfied by coming to him. In John 7:37, he stated, "If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Our shepherd leads us beside still waters." Verse 3, he restores my soul. This one's huge to me. The word restore means to bring back to a former or normal state or to make new. And this is another interesting factoid about sheep. They can get lost faster than any other animal on the face of the planet. They obviously don't have a whole lot going on when it comes to common sense. They may fall and get hurt. A predator may pounce on them. Or they simply tip over and become what's referred to as cast down. This is a term, it's an actual term, for a sheep lying on its back with its feet flailing in the air. Often the sheep can be too fat. This happens in particular with those that are pregnant. But they have so much wool, they'll lay down in a depression in the ground to, stay, to get warm. And then all of a sudden their center of gravity shifts and they're unable to get back up. Got this little video for you. Hello, I'm Andy Nicholas. I'm a sheepdog trainer in England. I'd like to tell you how you might be able to do a sheep a big favour and save its life. If you're a person who likes to go out walking in the countryside, it's a good idea to keep your eyes open for any sheep that might have got on their backs. Unlike many other animals, sheep don't roll onto their backs for a good scratch or even for fun, and they certainly don't sleep on their backs. This sheep is in a desperate position. If it can't get back onto its feet very soon, it'll die. Sheep are particularly prone to getting cast, as it's called, in the run-up to lambing time. That's during the spring. With the extra weight of their lambs inside them, the pregnant mums are very top-heavy. And if they roll over, that extra weight makes it extremely difficult for them to get back up again. If you see a sheep in this position, it's very easy to save its life. Simply walk quietly and steadily up to it and roll it over. 
Once it's the right way up again, the sheep will probably run back to the flock. But as you can see, this sheep's still quite wobbly. So there you have it. Everything you wanted to know about sheep, but that you were afraid to ask. You know, the shepherd, as we saw here, doesn't arrive in a short period of time. The sheep can actually die. I think this is why it's so incredibly important for a shepherd to be so aware of what's going on. But again, this is how God is with us. He doesn't miss a beat. He's always engaged. He always knows where we're at. If we're cast down, guess what? He can flip us back over onto our feet. Amen? You know, I think this is where we have that parable of the 99. You know, just for a shepherd to realize, hey, one of my sheep is cast. It's missing. I've got to find it. And just the, the effort that's put into it, because he knows if he doesn't engage quickly, it's possible that sheep will pass. This is probably what David had in mind when he said, he restores my soul. I mean, we look at David's life. I mean, there were, there were incredible, great passages of time for him. And then there were others that were a mess. But I love the contrast we have between Psalm 38 and Psalm 51, where David's in the midst of his garbage, and he's feeling crushed in pain and agony. But then there's that restoration process in Psalm 51. And just this ability to realize, you know what, God, God still loves me. Even with all my shortcomings, even with all my issues, God still loves me. And to go on, we, we see it in the book of Acts where it's, it, God talks about, Jesus, or, uh, about David being a man over, after his own heart. Good, bad, and ugly. And this is what's amazing. What a picture of what God does for straying disciples. He looks for us when we've wandered, and He restores us when we're cast down. The thing I love about God, and I've experienced this many times in my, my own personal life, is God is the God of the second chance, and the third chance, and the fourth chance, and who knows how many of them I'll have used up by the time I pass. But it's just comforting to know, you know what, I, I screwed up. But I'm going to get back into the Word, or I'm going to get real with those that are in my life and help others get me back on the right path. I read the Gospels, and I see the love, the grace, and the mercy when I read through it that Jesus showed sinners, what Jesus has showed to me. And I see how He re restored Peter's heart after Peter's denial of Him. And I look back at my life and I understand that Jesus also restores my soul. I'm so incredibly grateful for that. And, and as we continue in verse 3, the second part of verse 3 says, He guides my paths of righteousness for His namesake. The word path refers to a well-defined and well-worn trail. Any of you guys ever get out there in the wilderness and walk on a path? Um, what happens when you run out of path? It gets maybe a little freaky. It's like, where do I go now, right? But as we can see, there's going to be trees, there's brush, but a well-worn path is very clear. It's very spelled out. There's not a whole lot of question. But with that, even though the path is clear, sheep stray. But when the, being the shepherd knows the trails, he can guide them in the best way. You know, most of us can get around L.A. pretty well. We've got Google Maps or Waze. We've got this thing called GPS, right? And that helps us navigate and I'm going to go to California here, the 405, or the 110, or the 134. It helps us get around. The thing that's really awesome is that's what we've got in God. I, I, this is one I kind of came up with here, and you can, you know, you can laugh, you can clap, you can kind of, oh, really? 
God provides us with GPS, right? God provides salvation. Most of us know the right road that we should take, but what happens? Selfishness, sinfulness, these things can get in there and lead us astray. And we need the shepherd to guide us, to keep us on the right path, because like sheep, we often have no sense of direction. As we submit to the shepherd of our souls, he'll lead us on the right path. God guides us for his sake. Isaiah 53 tells us that humans, again, we're a lot like sheep. We prefer to go our own way. We go astray. That's why it's so incredibly important for us to go after His Word. To memorize the passages in the Bible that enable us to navigate those challenges we have in life. You know, if they worked once, they'll probably work again. But it's amazing. I know how hard-headed I can be. You know, and it's like, yeah, I used that and it worked okay, but I'm going to try this. And then, you know, well, I probably should have used that. should have gone back to the Bible, God's Word, when it comes to direction. Now, this next verse, verse 4, actually is one that is, again, a little misconstrued, even in its translation. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You know, there, there's going to be valleys in our lives. Somewhere along our journey, we're going to cross in the valley of the shadow of darkness, is one of the translations. So breaking this verse down, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. See, the picture here is a shepherd leading his sheep back home in the evening. In the Hebrew, this translates the valley of deep darkness. As we can see here, there's the road to Jericho from Jerusalem. And it goes, we, when Jackie and I were in the Middle East, we actually went through this area these valleys and canyons are crazy. And there's wildlife. When people would make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem, there were bandits that would steal from them. But this is, this is actually what we're dealing with here. And there's, it's amazing how when it comes to sheep, again, they can go through a rocky ravine and a narrow gorge and a long shadow might frighten the flock. But the shepherd knows from experience that predators like bears and wolves can take cover in those particular areas as well, but he's alert. He's ready for that ambush. You know, in one sense, the shadow tends to be something that's a little bit more ominous than it represents, right? I mean, I I love Caden. She went through this period of time. It was crazy. Our little grandbaby, where she'd be walking around and, you know, we'd we'd be out with her and all of a sudden she'd be going in a direction. Now the sun's behind her and there's that shadow in front of her. And she would freak out. It's like she wanted to be picked up. It's like, ah, scary, scary. Was her shadow? It's like, come on, girl, I got one too. You see me freaking out? But it's amazing how we can even just the stories we tell ourselves about different situations and things. How it can get us worked up. You know, the shadow of a dog. You can't bite, right? The shadow of darkness can't harm us either if we stay close to the shepherd. When there's a shadow, this is the thing I love. When there's a shadow, what casts that shadow? The light. It's close by. It's right there with our shepherd. Notice also it says that we walk through the valley. doesn't say that we take residence in the valley. We're passing through. When those challenges come, we're passing through. Through the blackness, there's brightness. Through the gloom, there's glory. 4b, verse 4b. Says your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, when a shepherd's out in the fields with a flock, he carries very little with him. Back then, he carried a rod and a staff. I always thought, I was like, what the heck's the difference between a rod and a staff, right? I didn't know. 
The, the staff is the thing with the little crook or the hook on the end. The rod is the more weighty, short implement or tool there. And the shepherds were real good with these things, man. They'd get them spinning. If there was a bear or a tiger or, excuse me, lion. I don't remember seeing any tigers referenced in the Bible. But he'd get that thing spinning and he'd launch it. And, I mean, this thing was capable of cracking skulls. The other thing he'd do with it is if the sheep started straying, because he knows how they spook, he'd take it and he'd toss it in the brush in the area they were heading to, and, of course, they'd you know, hightail it back into the rest of the group. But the shepherd learns from childhood how to engage and protect his flock. He uses, those impl- he uses the, the rod to drive off predators, something that, you know, when they're wandering, he could also use for discipline. The staff, on the other hand, was long and slender. He, he used it to guide them. He might have to hook them to pull them up out of the water as they're drowning or maybe roll them back over after they're cast. But, you know, when it comes to that, to those of us who are God's sheep, really understanding the authority, the power, the might, and the guidance of the Lord, I know for me, it's something I can look to as a form of comfort. And I understand where David's coming from, in that without God's guidance, without that, uh, that occasional throwing the rod in the bushes to scare me back onto the right path, or a little tap with the rod, I, I, I know what my life would look like, because I spent 32 years of it as a non-Christian, and it was messy. Verse 5, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This one's always struck me as kind of an unusual image. Uh, you know, most of us are familiar with the dogs sitting around the table playing poker, right? I haven't seen sheep around a dinner table doing that, but, um, you know, in doing a little bit of research, ultimately the table that was being talked about here was like a, a, a mountaintop table or a mesa. And it, it was one of those things where the shepherd would drive the sheep up, on to, a sheep up on top of that mesa. One, it gave him the ability to see them all. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of obstructions to his view. And generally speaking, it was a place where there'd be a lot of grass for them to graze on. And he, the only thing he would do is he'd go out and he'd scout out the area beforehand to make sure there weren't any poisonous plants and make sure there weren't any predators prowling around. But then he could get his sheep on out there and they could eat and they could rest. And again, this is, you know, there's those times where we just need to realize what God has served up for us. Slow down, calm down, and enjoy what he's prepared for us. Amen? Verse 5, it says, You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Stated this earlier, but a particular problem that sheep can have is with insects, flies, mosquitoes, gnats. In the ancient Israel, the shepherds used oil for three purposes. To repel insects, to prevent conflicts, and to heal wounds. Now, as we heard earlier, sheep are really bugged by bugs. Flies, you know, they, they do their thing, and it created some serious issues for them. The other thing that they would have is there'd be, sheep would fight over their pasture, the area they were grazing in. Or you'd have a couple of... Uh, 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 male sheep, what is that, is that a ewe? Uh, buck? Ram, thank you. <laughs> Mind issue. <laughs> but yeah, you'd have these two rams that, you know, might have an interest in a ewe, and they'd butt heads. What the shepherd would do is he'd put oil on their heads so that when they butted, it would be more of a glancing blow. They'd hit and kind of slide off one way or the other, rather than the damage that they potentially could do. Um... So in the, just this, this taking care of them, you know, walking through some of the terrain they'd have, there might be wounds, and the, and the shepherd would clean them and treat them with the oil. So that oil served as an ointment to protect their sores from getting infected. So we, we just see, again, this, David's giving us a picture 
as to how God looks after us. God binding our wounds. God dealing helping us with things that may aggravate us. God soothing us. So as we look at the last part of verse 5 and the first part of verse 6, it says, My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And just seeing again how the shepherd engages. The shepherd would also very often carry additional water, not just for himself, but if they got into a position where maybe one of those sheep that had the opportunity by, by that quiet water didn't get a drink, and he'd notice it kind of lagging as he's moving them from pasture to pasture, he would actually take his own water supply and give that water to the sheep if it needed it. He'd be generous because he knew they had to have that water or they would perish. And again, to me, this is such an incredibly amazing picture of what the shepherd does for us. He deals with our problems by protecting us from things that can wipe us out. He provides a place of harmony with others. As we look around here this morning, the diversity we have in this group, this is the unity that God gives. This is the unity that the world's lacking. He comforts us. He heals us when we're beat up. We're wounded sheep, walking wounded a lot when it comes to just what we deal with on a daily basis. But God's that healing shepherd. And this is just another way of saying, our Lord takes care of us. So surely goodness and love shall follow me all the days of my life in verse 6. It says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now in the message version, it translates it like this. It says, your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. Your beauty and your love chase after me every day of my life. What a picture. God chases after us. Why? That's how much God wants a relationship with us. You know, to me, it's reminiscent of the prodigal. You know, the prodigal son and the father constantly looking to see when, where his son is, when his son's going to return. And in spite of what his son did, just the way that he greeted him, running out and embracing him, wanting to celebrate, putting a robe on him, a ring on his finger, slaughtering the, calf, the prized calf so they could celebrate this restoration of the relationship. No pretense about how he longs to be with his son. No pretense as to how God longs to be with us in, in just looking at what he did for us at Calvary with his son Jesus. At the beginning of Psalm 23, it starts with this incredibly comforting statement. The Lord is my shepherd. And it closes with this incredibly positive affirmation, this affirmation of faith. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, the sheep have been following the shepherd to green pastures through shadowy valleys. The seasons have changed. And now they're coming home. The flock is now ready to winter in a safe harbor of the good shepherd's home. They're satisfied with the flock that they're a part of, that they belong to, and with the ownership of the shepherd that has them, with absolutely no desire for anything else. As we allow ourselves to be shepherded by Jesus, we know and we're promised that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives as well. So we're promised as disciples of Jesus Christ to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But we can only confidently state this last verse if we can state the first one. And not just in statement form, but with surrender. That the Lord is my shepherd. See, the Lord desires to be our shepherd. He wants to bless us. He wants to care for us. 
But Jesus never hesitated to make it clear that when we come under His shepherding, His management, and are surrendered to this, that there would be this new and unique relationship between Him and us. There would be something special about belonging to this shepherd. There would be a distinct mark upon the man or woman that would differentiate themselves from the rest of the crowd from the rest of the world. And when a shepherd buys his sheep, he takes a sharp knife, and each shepherd had a very distinct carving that they would carve into the ear of the sheep. You know, you think about that. It was probably not something that was easy for the shepherd or the sheep. But it, 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 it was this, this identity. The shepherd, you are mine, the sheep. You are mine to the shepherd. Knowing what they were a part of. And from that mutual suffering, there's this indelible lifelong mark of ownership that was made that can never be erased. The mark of Jesus is the cross. And submission to the cross in Christ starts in the waters of baptism. Just as the sheep are marked on the ears so the shepherd can recognize those that are his, we receive a marking that shows that we are part of God's flock. We close out in Galatians 3, verse 26. It says, You are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. See, once we are clothed in Christ, we can claim Psalm 23 as our own. The Lord is my shepherd. What a difference that one little word, my, makes. Keep that in mind as I, I close with this passage, or this uh, short story here. So there was a famous actor who was once the great guest of honor at a social gathering, where he received many requests to recite favorite excerpts from various literary works. An old preacher who happened to be there asked the doctor to recite the 23rd Psalm. The actor agreed on the condition that the preacher would also recite it. The actor's recitation was beautifully intoned with great dramatic emphasis, for which he received lengthy applause. The preacher's voice was rough and broken from many years of preaching, and his diction was anything but polished. But when he finished, there was not a dry eye in the room. When someone asked the actor what made the difference, he replied, I know the psalm, but he knows the shepherd. Let us make sure this morning as we walk out of here that we know the shepherd, not just the psalm. What I'd like to do right now is to pray for our weekly offering, uh, as well as just acknowledging the uh, hope offering that we take up. If you're doing both this morning and haven't already done it online, on the hope offering, if you would just make that notation uh, in the comment uh, section there on the check, that would be awesome. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. Father, in uh, just working through this the past few weeks, and understanding what an amazing God you are, and again, just the great degree of care that you express for each and every one of us. I pray that at this time, we can express some of that gratitude back to you with what it is that you've done for us and what you provide with us on so many different levels. But I pray with the offering that's being collected this morning that you will multiply it. You will give us the opportunity to continue to have impact in our communities, both with our, the, the hope outreach that we do, with the homeless, the blood drives, 
the Department of Children's Services, so many different areas that we're able to engage in locally. Father, I pray that if there are areas that we're missing, that you will point us in the direction that will enable us to have even greater impact. But more than anything, I pray, Father, that we don't lose sight of what we have in you as disciples and that we'll take the gift that you've given us as one beggar leads another to bread, that we'll do the same thing with the spiritual gift that you've given us as well. Father, I love you. Thank you so much for the incredible fellowship that you bless us with, uh, our brothers and sisters, and the ability that we have to glorify you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 